Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. On today's story from camp, we're going to be talking about my little chapels in the woods, the girl who thought she knew it all, and the Spirit of God who just pursued her despite everything. I can't talk about stories from camp and my growth and development during this season of my life without talking about the very real God who just pursued me. And it's funny, like, even though I was still so caught up in a lot of that cultic stuff, like, he really did use me. And I got to watch him use me. And I got to just watch him change me. And and I grew. And it was, it was beautiful. So... We're going to talk a little bit about that, that relationship that I had with God, the things that I thought I knew, and kind of the mess that I really was in, and yet, at the same time, just how I was able to watch God move in my heart and in people around me. So I came to camp that first summer, like I've said before, with skirts and long hair and a long list of standards and rules and just proper behaviors. My understanding of the gospel was not great. Um, and I think I was pretty lordshipy in my understanding of what God wanted from us once he'd saved us. I really believe that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. However, if you were really going to like show that you actually believed in him, you should be following him. And so I was really still kind of caught up in those legalistic ways of seeing things. And one of the things that camp did teach us was this very clear presentation of the gospel based on John 3.16. And they had this little book that we went through. And so I think that was just wonderful. So I know that like my gospel conversations with kids were probably fine, but then it was like, and now that you're saved, <laughs> here's the things that you should be doing, which I feel like is just kind of it's complicated because obviously as followers of Jesus, there are things that we do to pursue him and and become more like him, but it's not about those behaviors itself. It's about the way he's changing our hearts. So there's a, there's a relationship there that happens. There's that dynamic, but it's not just about those behaviors. I still had this formulaic approach to life. Like I really still thought that if I did A and B, then God would give me C. And that took years, years to get over. That took the babies dying. That took, I mean, just a lot of brokenness in my heart to really just get over that idea that life isn't a formula. The Christian journey isn't a formula. But I still had a lot of just formulaic ideas about life. Like if things were falling apart, then what was I doing wrong? And if things were good, then I must be doing it right. I've definitely had a lot of pride. <laughs> um, I just spent 10 years of my life being told that I was part of this elite group of people who actually had the real answers to life and that we were special and unique. And as an Enneagram 4, that was what I wanted to hear. Like I wanted to be special and unique and different. And so I came just with a lot of, a lot of pride, pride of who I was, pride of the answers that I had, pride of the relationship that I had with Jesus pride of my standards. I mean, just a lot, a lot of pride. And yet (laughs) when I look at that girl, child, really in a adult body, like God also, he worked. Like, I mean, I saw kids get saved and I saw staff members grow after conversations that we had. And I know that my heart was just to help people to know Jesus. Like I loved Jesus despite all the mess that I was, all of my formulas and my pride and my legalistic approach to life. I loved Jesus. And I love that about God. I love that he can just take 
these messy, broken places and and people, and yet at the same time, just work through them anyway, even though we don't have it all together. I've been listening to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill by Mike Casper with Christianity Today, the podcast, and it's kind of the same thing. I mean, here's this messy, broken situation with Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll, and yet at the same time, here's all these things that God was doing and using, and anyway, it's like he doesn't he doesn't need things to be perfect, which is good because it's never going to be like that. But yeah, as I think about who I was and I think about like what happened those summers, especially those first two summers, it's kind of this weird good and bad <laughs> combination. Like it's this mixed bag of stuff and experiences and, and who I was. Despite all of the mess, like I said, I really, I loved Jesus and I had this very real relationship with what I now know is the Holy Spirit. Like it, I called him Jesus, but who was with me and who did I experience his presence and hear his words? Like that was definitely the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, it's just interesting. But I was, I was very, very much just loving my actual relationship with Jesus. That first Seth training, that first year, I spent just about every single break, like walking the trails in the woods, just talking with Jesus with the Holy Spirit, just trying to figure this out. Like, how did I process the stuff was happening and people were saying and things were doing and like all this real life? Like, how did I process this? And I processed it with the Holy Spirit. I literally ran off every break and just walked and talked and like listened to his voice and just tried to just continue on. And I had this little, I called it my cathedral, this little kind of chapel under these trees that I would run off to. I I couldn't run off to the woods every time you're on break, especially as summer went on and I had campers. But I found this little place that was just outside of the main camp, like just next to the archery and kind of like on the way out of camp, but basically right there. So you could quickly run to it and just hide. And if you ducked under the branches, you would end up in this just beautiful little pine needly open spot. And that became my little chapel, my little cathedral. And I would just run there on break and bring my journal, my Bible, and I would pray and I would talk to God and I would sing sometimes quietly so nobody would hear me and see me and I could still be secret. And it was just my special place. And there was just so much of the things that I went through that summer that just got processed in that little in that little chapel. And the next year, I actually found the old outdoor chapel that was right behind the cabin that I was in that year. And there was this little like barely used trail that literally led out from behind my cabin. And I would just dash down that trail into this old spot where this chapel had been. And there were just like a few old broken benches and there was kind of like this old broken podium. Nobody had used it in years, but I just felt like God was there. And so I would just like run down there and like just talk to him and just spend time with him and just processing once again, all the things I was learning, all these just broken kids that come to camp and all their just sad little lives and just the stories that I would hear. And it was just, it was hard. So there's that mix. Like here's me, formulaic, legalistic, religious, and yet just loving Jesus and having this relationship with him. It was real. It was real. And it's just a funny mix. But I look back and those moments, there was these moments in time when I know that God met me at camp. There was one week that I was just struggling like so much. And I can't remember if it was like one of the Freddy's Friends weeks with the special needs people or if it was just a week of difficult campers. But I remember I was just laying on the bench at the archery range, which was literally just on the other side of the campfire pit, like right there in the main camp area. Nobody was shooting bows and arrows. I was safe. So just laying there on the bench, I was telling God, like, I just need 
just need a hug. Like I just need someone to be like, it's going to be okay. And I look up and the coordinators that I mentioned a couple weeks ago, their four children were coming towards me. They were getting babysat by one of those staff members. And the littlest one, she was about two and a half, she just came running up to me and flung her arms around my neck and just held on. And like, I'm like crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like baby Jesus just gave me a hug. This is exactly what I needed. But that's the kind of answers prayers like I saw like so many times, things like that, where God would just be so real, just like in the moment, like exactly what I needed. And I saw that kind of stuff happen over and over again. I would watch these kids that were just really just exploring salvation for the first time. And like I said, I didn't even have the clearest gospel presentation in the world, but you would watch them as they just, just process, like, do I really believe that God loves me enough to die for my sins? Like, would he really love me that much? And, and just watching them just kind of throw away some of their old beliefs. I had this one girl who came in from a charismatic um, church and she had been told that if you weren't speaking in tongues and you weren't really saved, and she was just burdened by that. She's like 11. And she said, I wanted to be saved so bad, but I could not make myself speak in tongues. Like I tried, I tried, I tried. Now I know I can't get saved. But I knew enough about the gospel to know that wasn't true. And so I reminded her that it's about Jesus and what he did. And like just watching the transformation as she understood that and like just the joy that came over her face. Like it's not about what I do. It's about what Jesus has done for me. It was beautiful. It's beautiful. There was this one little girl who came to us um, from foster care and she just had a really just a sad background. Like I wanted to adopt her. I was like, can she just be mine? Like it was really sad. Just the abuse that she'd been through by multiple different men in her life. And just, she's just broken. And she just did not believe that she was special. She did not believe that she could be somebody that God would love. And remember, we just had like multiple different conversations over the week. And finally on the last night of camp, I was running out to the dining hall to get like ice, I think, for my water. And I told the girls, just hang on there, be right back. And and she's like, can I come with you? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And like, we get out the door. I remember she just looked up at me and she just smiled the biggest smile. She's like, I'm special. And that's all she said. And she just smiled. And I was like, yeah. She goes, yeah, I know that God loves me. And I want to trust you just as my savior. And, and just the transformation. I mean, the Holy Spirit like does this stuff in our lives, guys. And I just love it. I love it. My second year, I had this conversation one night with one of my girls. And uh, she was really just struggling with, like, can I trust God enough to give him my life? Like, can I trust him to just let him be in control? Is he big enough? Is he big enough to be able to just say, God, you know what? You can do whatever you want. I'll just let you be in charge. That was one of the big things I was really into at that point in time was just this idea of like, let's let God be in charge of your life. And, um, which is good and bad depending on how you look at it. But anyway, we were outside. Um, I had a second counselor that year, uh, that, that week. And they were, she was inside with the girls and, and this other girl and I were outside just kind of sitting on a blanket outside the cabin and just talking. And she's like, is God big enough to send me a shooting star if, if, if I asked him? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if he wants to. And we got just got really quiet. And no joke, guys, like the biggest shooting star I've ever seen in my life just shot across the sky from one side to the other. And she screamed. And we both just like laughed. She was like, God just did that. And I was like, yeah, I think so. So it was like these moments you would just see these things and experience these things. And just like, you just knew God was real and active and moving. And I loved that. Some of the junior high, high school chapels that I was able to just sneak into at the last, you know, just kind of sit in the back and watch God move. Like, I don't know, I'm a different person now. I'm a little more cynical. So I'm like, is that just emotionalism? Is that just because they expected God to be there? But 
some of the stuff that happened wasn't, I mean, something humans can do. Like it was God. It was God. And so it's funny because I look at myself back then and there's a lot of things I would like to study myself. Like there's a lot of things that I would be like, all right, Christy, I probably wouldn't have listened because I thought I knew everything back then. But if I had listened or even if I hadn't listened, there's things I want to say because like I said, it was this mixed bag. Like I felt God moving and I watched him move. At the same time, there were still so many things that I just did not get and just had a really poor understanding of. So I think if I was going to go back in time and I was going to sit down with my little self that year and just say, hey, there's some things I want you to know. I think I would start with just assuring myself that like not everybody feels the same things that I feel. I am a highly emotional person. I I feel a lot of things. But as I've gotten older, I recognize that not everybody feels those things. So I have a different relationship with God based on my personality than other people have. Like I used to think that everybody had to, you know, hear whispers of his voice or like experience his presence the way I did. And if they didn't, like something was wrong with them. That was the goal was trying to get people to like have the same experiences I've had. But the older I've gotten, the more I realize it's it's not the point. God is going to meet each of us within our own personalities and the way that we need to be met. It's not going to be the same for everyone. (laughs) My friend, I have this friend in England. His name is Tony. And we met each other on my blog like years ago because he disagreed with something that I said. And we had this great debate. And then now he's like one of my best followers. And I love it. But he um, he called me a mystic a few years ago. And I really had a problem with that because like to me, a mystic is someone who's like doing their own kind of thing and not necessarily following God. But the more I looked into what a mystic really is, like there's a lot of different definitions, but the point is that they feel things. And I think to a certain extent, like in that way of feeling things, I am a mystic. Like I'm going to feel things. I'm going to have these mysterious experiences and not everybody has. And those things need to be lined up with scripture, like, and not just be depended on. Like, does this actually make sense? Is this really God? Is this the kind of thing God would say? Absolutely. But also to just recognize, like, not everyone's going to have those experiences. Not everyone's going to have the same feelings, those same thoughts. And that's okay, because God's going to meet us like he meets us. So I'm definitely just reassure myself of that. Like, you're not all that special. Like, you're just different. And everybody's different. And that's fine. I think I would also call it maybe almost emotional legalism. Because I feel like I want to just pull people in this thing where like, if you're not feeling this stuff, then you aren't really saved or you really don't have a relationship with Jesus or whatever it was. And so just to remind myself, like, don't pull people into this emotional legalism, Christy. Just let them be, let them have their own relationship with God. Like, Tell them it's possible. Tell them it's possible that he's real, that he's amazing, that he's huge, that he loves them. And then let him meet them how he wants to. <laughs> I think I'd also tell myself, like, you're not always right. You are not always right. And that's okay. I've learned a lot of humility over the years. Just maturity brings humility and understanding and gentleness. And like I said, it's just interesting how God is able to work in us and even through us when we're still kind of a goofy little mess. And so that's where I want to leave us this week is just kind of with that understanding of like, you know what? We don't have to have it all together because God still works. He still moves. And yes, we want to pursue truth. And yes, we want to pursue a relationship with him. But he's going to keep showing us things that are screwed up. There's things about myself right now that are screwed up that I don't even know about. And I will in a few years. I'll look back and be like, ugh, yuck. (laughs) I'm glad God took that away. And that's just how it goes. It's called growth. And so just once again, give yourself grace. 
realize it's okay. The most important thing is just to be pursuing God. This is what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. This is what the whole, whole thing is about. This world that he made for us to know him. It's all about knowing him. And he will reveal himself to you within your personality and within the ways that you need to experience him. And it's not always going to look the same. So I just want to encourage you with that, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.